we certainly have been living with different generations and we're used to that, but we're not used to seeing these generations working side by side in the workforce. So it's pretty shocking for a lot of people. And yes, it, it has to do with the fact that people are not retiring. People in their in retirement age of 65, 67 are saying they want to keep working. 80% actually say that they want to keep working beyond retirement age. And 48% say that they want to keep working until they're in their 70s. And 18%, and get this, Andy, say they never want to retire. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. My guest this week describes herself, (laughs) I like this, as a courageous communicator. Now, that works better written than it does orally, I must be honest with you. Not one for podcasts, but we'll write that down in the title as well. But the, the courageous is the play on words because within there is ages. And it's an important concept, being a courageous communicator around different generations because we're now in a time where There are more generations in one workplace than there have ever been before, where there are huge cultural and behavioral differences between different generations. And it's something that we all have to understand, whether we are managing up, leading leading down, uh, you know, working with people as peers, we're going to be engaging with people who have different values to us, who communicate in a different way. And and if you want to build relationships with people around you, then it's important to understand where they're coming from. And that's where my guest comes in. Uh, my guest is uh, tuning in from New York City. And um, we we first met a number of years ago now. I'd say it's, it's about 10 years ago. Uh, nine or 10 years ago, I went to New York for a long weekend on the back of a conference in Vancouver. And mutual friends of ours introduced us. She's a well-known speaker in New York and said, Renee will make you feel at home. And she took me on a lovely day around New York and showed me her New York. And I think that's one of the best ways to meet someone is for them to show you their, her, their city. And, and I hopefully repaid the compliment um, sometime later with a, a trip up the Shard in London. Uh, and we've been friends ever since. And recently, uh, she was over in Dublin for the Global Speakers Summit in October and stayed for a whole six weeks longer to speak at my own uh, Ambition uh, 22 charity conference as well, something I really appreciate. And now she's joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast to talk all about that courageous communication. I don't know if we've got to work on the the oral version of that, Rene. Um, But to talk about that and to talk about building and maintaining relationships with different generations. So Rene Lee Rosenberg, welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much, Andy. What a lovely introduction. It's it's really delightful to be here. And it's so much fun to be talking to you over there in the UK. I sure miss... Not being in the UK, as you know, it was yeah. a wonderful trip. Yeah, you're, you're not. We're, we're speaking just before Christmas. Uh, this, this will be coming out towards the end of uh, January, beginning of February. Um, but it's just before Christmas as we speak. Uh, it's very New York-like here. It's all white outside. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, but you're only 
back a few weeks. So hopefully you've got over the jet lag and uh, you're fresh for our conversation today. <laughs> so let's let's get into into your topic, your area of, of expertise, and you really demonstrated that a few weeks ago at Ambition 2022. Um, and, and I talked about the fact that we are experiencing workplaces now where there are five generations working in one place and we've never experienced that before. So I think to, to begin with, it would be great if you could tell us a little bit about who those generations are. Um, you know, when I say five generations, some people might think that's impossible. How can that possibly be? So maybe outline who those generations are and, you know, how can people work out where they fit? Yes, it, it does seem impossible, doesn't it, Andy, that we actually have people who will be ages from 20 to 70, 80, 40, 50, maybe 60 years apart when they were born, their actual birth date. But it's happening. It is happening in the workforce today, and it's happening in the marketplace, and it's something that we need to understand and something we need to address. And I guess it's different than ever before, because obviously you've had people of a, a, a substantial difference in ages in life you know, before, although age age expectation, life expectation is increasing. We've still had people of, with a wide range of uh, ages around us. But in the workplace, I think, are there differences both in terms of how much longer people are working? but also in a bit of a collapse of traditional hierarchies and, and are younger generations uh, less amenable to being told what to do than they were uh, maybe in generations gone by? Yes, all of the above, actually. We, we certainly have been living with different generations, and we're used to that, but we're not used to seeing these generations working side by side in the workforce. So it's pretty shocking for a lot of people. And yes, it, it has to do with the fact that people are not retiring, people in their in retirement age of 65, 67, are saying they want to keep working. 80% actually say that they want to keep working beyond retirement age, and 48% say that they want to keep working until they're in their 70s. And 18%, and get this, Andy, say they never want to retire. And I'm in that. I'm in that percentage. I, I believe that. I don't believe we should retire, but that makes a big problem for the employer, for the organization, for the corporation. How do you deal with all these differences? So when we're looking at generations, we're really looking at a group of people who have been programmed at the same time in history, and we're looking at five different program people of times in history, and we're looking at first the silent generation who've also been called the traditionalists, or they've been called the radio generation, because they grew up with a radio. And many of us didn't, but this generation did, and they still have radios. And that's still a major source of, of listening to music and, and news. And this generation is now 77 years plus. And they've been influenced by world wars. They've been influenced by recessions, by depressions. They've lived through an awful lot. And they have a distinct style, as does each generation. But bear in mind, Andy, that each one of these generations are really generalizations. And we have to look at people also within these generalizations as individuals. But for the sake of generational differences, we're going to talk at some of these generalizations. So the 
traditionalists, the silent generation, they are very formal and they really are very loyal. They respect authority and they like a lecture. They like to be lectured to. They like to go to lectures. They, they, they like to be helpful and they want to be people who are recognized and acknowledged for their expertise. And they get along quite well with, with the authority, actually, which when we move through the other generations, we will see where the differences really lie and where the problems lie. It's interesting that you say they like to be lectured to, and we'll go through each of the, the generations in turn, because I think it's really interesting to start to understand those different qualities. But let me sort of jump forward a little bit and make an assumption. Um, that you you talk about a generation that listened to the radio, and this is a generation that likes to listen to lectures and be told, you know, given information in that sense. If we compare that to millennial generation, for example, without even going into Gen Z, Gen Z, which you'll you'll talk about, um, this is a generation that whose entertainment is interactive, where you 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 have shows like. Pop Idol and uh, and so forth, where they vote people on or, or off a show. So does they the entertainment we're brought up with dictate how we expect to communicate with other people through, throughout our life? Absolutely, and this is where the great difference lies in the workplace. So you have the silent generation, and you have the millennials all the way at the other end of the spectrum, and in between that you have the baby boomers. So the boomers also are lecture-based, and they're ambitious, they're driven, they're competitive, and they also respect authority. So they're pretty similar in many ways to the silent generation, but they want to be known as being the experts, and they want to be acknowledged as being the experts. And they're not always, and this always creates a problem within the organization of not knowing how to really respect and to acknowledge the expertise and the information that the boomers can bring to the company. So we've got the boomers who are approximately, remember these are approximate numbers, depending on whose model you're looking at, depending on which research you're reading, the dates and the ages vary a bit. They're very flexible and very fluid. But we look at the boomer as being possibly between 57, 58, and 75. And I stretched it to 75 because the boomer still wants to, they don't want to think that they're the silent generation at 75. So they're still a boomer. So this is my model. So the boomer ends at about 75, maybe even 76. And the boomer is is very much present in, in the company at this time and doesn't want to leave, as you've just mentioned. And then we move on to Generation X which age range is about 57 to 42. And they're moving up there. They're moving up into their 60s, as you can see. And they're starting to fear ages and they're starting to fear what they're doing in the workplace. Um, they also like respect. They like learning, but they also want fun and they want work-life balance. So whereas the boomer will work 40 plus hours, the Gen X will not. They really don't want to be told they have to stay after the work after nine to five, they will leave or they'll be very upset and annoyed with, with the leadership and the organization. They also are mostly where our entrepreneurs come from. So they're people that have a great deal of learning 
and a great deal of information and also want to challenge what's happening in the status quo. So that's your Gen X. Again, they're pretty much between 57 um, and 42. And then you go on to the generation that you just spoke about, Andy, the millennials. And this is where we start having the problem in the workforce, because the millennials will be, within the next few years, the largest generation in the workforce. And they're really going to be in control. Now, these are the trophy kids. These are the children who were born from the boomers. And they were taught that they're special. They're very confident. They're very creative. They have a lot of learning and education. They don't like to be lectured to. You lecture to a Gen Y and they walk right out. And I think that this is really the great resignation is the Gen Y. Um, because leaders are used to working with the silence that are leaving a little bit now, but also the boobas who listen, who listen to authority. The Gen X don't really want to be told what to do. They like to learn, yet they also like to be on the same level. They don't like hierarchies. They don't like bureaucracy. You're talking about, you said Gen X, you mean Gen Y in this case. I'm sorry, I'm talking about Gen Y, the millennials. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Gen Y. Absolutely. Thank you for that correction. I get excited when I talk about all these generations. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they blend together, but yet they don't blend together. And, and yet they also do have similarities, which I'll talk about in a little while. But I'd like to just first you know, express some of the, the differences so you can see how in a, in a business and in a corporation, in a company, when you have these different people of different ages working together with different work styles, different beliefs, different attitudes toward work, you can have some issues that the leaders and the managers really have to deal with to have a successful workforce and a good productive company. So you've got this Gen Y, the millennials, and then you have this new generation that's coming up that causes us to have these five generations in the workforce. And this is the Gen Z, or as they say in England, Z. Is that right? Yes, Z. Yep. <laughs> the Gen Z population. And they, they're very much into social causes. They walk around with a computer. They, it's attached to them. They never close it. They walk around with their cell phone. That's attached to them also. And the smartphone is a very important part of their life. They don't like to, and neither does the why actually, they don't like to make phone calls. They don't like to see you in person. If you're going to talk to them, send them a text which I find extremely annoying being a baby boomer, but I understand it. And now I send texts also. And this is part of what needs to be done really when you're talking about generations and generational differences is to understand what the other generation needs and wants and how they behave, to understand and to accept it and to work with it and to learn how you can start to adapt as, as another generation so that you do all get along. So this Gen Z, they're very independent. They're very socially um, in tuned. They're into diversity. They're into purpose. And purpose is more important to them. And fun and living is more important to them than work. So it's important to know that these, this is the group, this group and the Y will leave if they're not happy with the purpose of the organization. They will research the organization. I've heard people recently talking about how they've had clients who've gotten jobs in companies that were quite good, and they decide they're not going. They don't even show up on the first day. And the reason why is that they're very information-oriented. They've researched the company. And they found that the company didn't meet their purpose. 
So this is kind of an interesting phenomena. So if they can get hired and they just might not show up, and this has been happening pretty frequently now within the corporate world. So corporations have to be very careful of what their message is, what their purpose is, if they want to appeal to these younger generations, particularly the Gen Y and the Gen Z who are coming up in in the workforce, and they will be the majority and the percentage of workers in the workforce. It's it's interesting here you talk about how much uh, Gen Y, Gen Z will do that research. And, and, you know, personality type, individual personality type will come into it, uh, certainly. Mm -hmm. But as, as as a Gen Xer, I don't see that as being a strength of my generation, Mm-mm. the research element. So would that be a, a good indicator of how you can see a difference between different generations? We're the maybe we're the wing it generation. Would that uh, be a fair a fair generalization? Yes, yes, agrarial could be. And the entrepreneurial generation. As you yeah. well know, so many of your colleagues and peers have their own business. Um, very much don't want to work for the corporate anymore. They want to be on their own. One of my other observations um, recently, I saw um, a, a, a post on Facebook, I think it was this week, um, where it was from a, a millennial pointing out that millennials are now approaching 40 years old. And I think we still think of millennials as kids and they're not anymore. Yeah. And, and we also have to you know, adapt to that as well. Yes, we do. Yes, they do. They're, they're approaching their, their 40s, and that's scaring them, actually. I, I, and, and it's very interesting because ageism does pop up with all of these. No matter how old you are, there's a fear of aging, either being, aging being too young, being on the opposite side, or aging being too old. And I have clients who have told me that they're going to be 40. They're 39, heading toward 40, and they have to find a new job before they're 40, because no one will hire them at 40. And wow. I just shake my head. That's exactly, I say, wow, that's scary. Yeah. That's scary. I, I, I've, I've, had a, I've had a conversation today, the day we're recording this, um, with someone who's worried about the fact she's 35 and she mm-hmm. hasn't really settled in her career. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got plenty of time. From my perspective, you've got plenty of time. From her perspective, she hasn't. Uh, so I, I guess there is an element of perspective there as well. So while we're on the yes. topic of perspective, and you've touched on this already, but let's delve into this because I think this is the main reason I wanted to invite you on this podcast to explore this topic. We've got these five generations in the workplace. We've got these different personality types. What are the challenges that's leading to in the workplace at the moment? And how can how can we overcome them as leaders of teams uh, and leaders of organizations? And how can you overcome them as an individual within that organization? Okay, that's that's a great question because that's really what the problem is nowadays is what are leaders doing to motivate and to retain these workers? So I'd like to tell you about an experience that I had recently. One of my my colleagues in NSA who lives in Florida was knocked off of Google, and she doesn't know why she was knocked off. You know, she's they, they've turned her, they shut her down. So I told her, well, you know, there's a Google office right near my, my home in, in Manhattan, just a couple of blocks away. I'll walk over there and I'll see what I can find out for you. 
which which she said terrific. So I went over there, and anyone who's been into Google would immediately anyone over a certain age, which is me, would be totally shocked. It's full of of lights and neons and wonderful gorgeous furniture and people all of a certain age, which I would say were more millennial and Z, um, the Ys and the Zs. And I will, and the, the counter is in the round and I'm standing waiting to be served. And this one of the men behind the counter says, can I help you? But meanwhile, he's talking to the woman next to me. And I said, well, no, I'll wait. That's fine. I don't mind. He says, no, no, that's okay. I said, no, I'll wait. So he turns to the woman next to me. He's talking to her, turns back to me, and he's leaning over diagonally because it's not, it's in the round. So he's in a strange angle. And I'm starting to get very annoyed as a baby boomer, thinking, why isn't he paying me attention? Why is he doing this? <laughs> Already stop talking to this woman and talk to me. And he comes over again and he says, what is it again that I can do? And I said, okay, I'm going to tell him because I could see this is what's happening. So I told him what I needed. He gets me the phone number and then he goes back to the woman and then he comes back to me. And I'm in awe. I'm in awe. And it realized that I have to say something. And I say to him, are you Gen Y? And he looks at me. (laughs) It's like, how did you know? I said, well, because you're multitasking. At which point he straightened up and he got very stiff and he kind of looked at me really seriously. And he thought that I was going to say, and I don't like it. That's what he expected. And I said, and I think you're doing a great job. At which point he opened up, he beamed, he smiled. I had a friend for life. I made his month, his year. And I think this is such a strong message. If we can just try to understand where the other generations are coming from, how they operate, what is their mindset, what are their values, then maybe we can have more cooperation between the generations. And maybe we can even defeat ageism. And, and it was, it was such a strong message to me of how we need to acknowledge, respect, and really appreciate the way other generations operate. And hopefully they would respect us how we operate because he really was taken aback. Now, but you, okay, let me play devil's advocate here a little bit. Um, he was expecting you to say you don't you don't like the fact that he's multitasking and not paying yes. you attention. That would be the expected response from someone of your generation in that situation. Uh, the fact that you didn't respond that way, I would argue, probably owes a lot to your awareness <laughs> of the different behaviours of different generations. Yes. So when we go to challenges in the workplace, the conversation you had would i would suggest i'm asking you be fewer and further between if that's the right way to phrase it <laughs> that actually it's going to lead to more conflict than it is to uh, cooperation and collaboration and positive experiences because people aren't understanding the different uh, generations and those different perspectives is that a fair assumption and how do we deal with that yeah i i yes it is it yes it is i mean here was someone expecting me to say that's wrong, you shouldn't do that. 
And that's what workers are expecting of their employers, of their bosses, of their managers. You know, they're expecting to be reprimanded. They're expecting to be told what to do when really they don't want to be told what to do. So if a manager understands where the worker is coming from, understands these generational differences that we call them, you know, the different work styles, the different beliefs, the different values and attitudes, if they try to understand them, and if they really, you know, I just gave a brief understanding and a big brief listing of what these generations, um, ha- how you look at them. But if you go and you really research them and you really understand them, and I really think managers really need to do that and leaders need to do that. They need to know who's working for them and how differently they work. And I just, to me, this was such a clear example of how someone expected me as an older person um, to really react negatively to what he was doing. And I didn't. And I feel like I made one good mark, as they say on the list, you know, for for generational communication. (laughs) Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, it is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask. So I, I guess it would be working both ways, that if people are having negative experiences of different generations not understanding them, that's going to create negative expectations that are then carried forward into communication with other people who are of that different generation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 the, so the connected leader, the, 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 the aware leader, who's done their research, who understands this, has to work hard, not just within themselves, but within their whole culture to change that communication. Mm -hmm. They're going to run into issues there because there's always going to be someone who turns around and says, if they're a a baby boomer or a Gen X, they're going to turn around and say, well, millennials expect this and they want this. That's not the way to do things. I'm not going to bow to what they want and vice versa. Mm -hmm. How, How do you break that mindset? Well, you ask them how is how is productivity? You know what's what's happening in your workforce. <laughs> Are you finding that you're having more quiet quitters, as they call them nowadays? We used to call them people pre- with presenteeism, people who just came and, and just didn't do very much but showed up. Is that what you're seeing in your workforce? And is that what you want in your workforce? And if that's not what you want, and who would want that anyway? Then maybe you've got to think about how you can do things a little differently. And it's not that easy. It's not that easy to change, certainly. But when you see results and they're positive results, and you see that people are happy because a happy worker is a good, productive, engaged worker, then I think you you start to see that this can make some sense. It's the understanding. It's the coming from. I always talk about, and you know, I, I love to do this, Andy. It's very important. This heart centered. You have to come from your heart as a leader. What's really going on with your workers? You've got to understand them. And if you don't, then you're going to have a a very dysfunctional workforce. And the the workforces are dysfunctional now because not enough leaders are really able to change and really, or don't know how, don't know how. So I think that some of them need to really learn the process, need to understand what needs to be done, and needs to communicate in a different way. It's all about communication. And is it always the leaders that have to change? Uh, is it always the older generation that has to understand the younger generation? Uh, or, or if it's both ways, how do you create that conversation so that the Gen Ys and the millennials are also adapting to people who are older than them in the workspace? And, and by the way, 
you know, let's remove the assumption that the older generation is going to be the boss because that I was just going to say in, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to find that, that the younger generation could be the leader. And so it goes both ways. They also have opinions <laughs> or, or are opinionated yeah. about the older generation. So it, it, it's, it's both. It's a balance between all. It's not just the older leaders having to adapt. It's the younger leaders also having to adapt and understand. And that certainly is a big issue with ageism and with the older workers who don't feel respected and acknowledged. And these are the people with the experience and with the people who really can, can help mentor all the younger workers and can really help the organization stay engaged and grow and build. So it's both uh, ways. I, and, you know, I, th- I think back to my first managerial position when I was 22, and I always joke that there were people I was responsible for that had been in their job longer than I'd been alive, uh, <laughs> which was a very, very challenging start of a managerial career, which probably explains why I didn't stay in a managerial <laughs> career for very long uh, as, as well. Um, but also, I think back to myself at 22, and I think I was... And I'm sort of laughing inside as I say this because I think people who know me will know I'm quite an opinionated person. But I think I was more <laughs> more opinionated, more brash, less likely to listen to other people's opinions than than I am now. Mm. So I wonder if that's not a generational thing; that's an age thing. Mm. Uh, and but if you combine, uh, I mean, would it be fair to say that if you combine that 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 certainty, that conviction of your own opinion? that we have as 20-year-olds with a generation that doesn't believe in hierarchy, it's creating even more issues now. Yeah. Well, certainly, if we don't, we don't look at it as a hierarchy, as I mentioned earlier, we look at it as individuals. You know, we, we don't generalize people and put them into groupings. I, I don't, myself, I'm not a fan of labeling. No, um, but what, what I mean by hierarchy is that, you know, I think you've said earlier uh, that, that the younger generations do not believe in a hierarchy within a right. business in the way mm-hmm. that we traditionally used to. Uh, right. And um, if you combine that uh, lack of respect of hierarchy in seniority with the brashness of youth, that's going to lead to more problems. I, I don't, again, I don't see it as an issue. And this is, this is an issue, but I see it more as people looking at people as individuals and what they can do for you. I, I have a client who is 65 now. He started in in finance when he was in his 30s, and he heard that when you reach your 60s, they're going to want you to go. They don't want you there anymore. So he knew that for all the 30 years that he was working there, that he would be pushed out gently. And sure enough, when he turned 60, he started getting messages, very, very kind of um, uh, messages that were not that strong, but they were there that he wasn't wanted anymore. He wasn't invited to major meetings as he was in the past. He wasn't asked his opinion. He wasn't included in things and he was feeling it and he knew this was happening. So he decided he wanted to stay a little longer and as he, and not leave yet because 65 was his, his time frame to finally leave and retire. And so while he was there, and not getting much work anymore from the company, he was observing the younger workers coming in. And they were in their 20s and 30s. And he was noticing they're talking with clients. They really didn't know what to say. They weren't getting, they just weren't getting the sale. They weren't able to really. So he started on his own. Company had nothing to do with it. 
So he wasn't looked at as a bureaucratic hierarchy person. He was looked at as a friend and a mentor. And he started mentoring them what to say, how to say it. And they would invite him to go out on the sales calls. He'd go on the sales calls with them because nobody cared what he did anymore at the, at the office. So he would go with them and they would start getting the sales. And then he left. When he left, they started crying. They would call him at home and they'd say, what do we do now? You know, can you come back? And so this was a, a beautiful example of how younger people can see how someone or, or different generations can connect and learn and teach and, and mentor each other and learn from each other and respect each other. And it had nothing to do with the fact that he was a senior officer, and he was a senior officer, but he wasn't treating them or saying that he was that. And they didn't see him as that. They saw him as a friend. So if we could maybe not be so stuck up on these titles, and if, an, if a leader could maybe walk around the office and say hello to people, you know, have an open office, have an open door where people can come in. If he could maybe offer surveys, uh, they're called stay surveys, stay interviews rather than leaving interviews. What's so important to you here? What do you like doing the most? What, what would you like to do if you had the opportunity? Learning more, not from a hierarchical opinion, but just from a person-to-person opinion. What can I do to help you? And I just thought this was a great example of my client really helping people who needed his help because he had what they needed. And they actually helped him because it made him feel better about what he could give, give back, and how he could help others. So it was a win-win on all sides without thinking of a hierarchy or a bureaucratic definition. I really like that story. I like the idea of the stay interviews as well. A client of mine I was mentoring this week was talking about something that would qualify as that as well. And I think, you know, showing that real interest in people and their development, not just their role in the company, um, really makes a difference as well. So we're, we're sort of moving into the space that you, you hinted at earlier in the conversation of, you know, the fact that it's not all negative, um, but there are opportunities present in having five generations in the workplace. So, so you've talked about the mentoring aspect, learning from different generations. And the example you used was an experienced person mentoring less experienced people, which is obviously the traditional view of mentoring but it's not the sole view of mentoring so maybe maybe you can start by talking a little bit about reverse mentoring and, and how that's impactful within generational space and then the other sort of, the, the other opportunities that are presented by having all those generations around you well let me give you another example of reverse mentoring <laughs> uh, i i have a client who used to eat at his desk he didn't go out. He just worked the whole day and, and brought his own food in. So he thought, why should I leave? I'll just eat here and continue working. And his younger colleague, who was two generations lower than him, looked at him and said, what are you doing? You're going to make yourself sick. <laughs> Let's go out and take a walk. He said, walk? No, no, I'm eating my lunch. I can't go walk. He says, well, what do you think lunch is about? <laughs> it's about taking a break, it's relaxing, going out, moving your body, feeling good, energizing yourself, staying healthy. And he thought about it. And he, he actually called me and he said, should I do this? You know, <laughs> Should I leave the office? 
please <laughs> do it. Um, and so he, he actually was influenced by the beliefs and the patterns of a younger worker who believes that work should be fun, <laughs> not so serious, and that one certainly needs to take a lunch hour and go out and, and breathe the air. And he actually felt much better about his work. He became more productive. He became happier. And he started to feel better physically. He was having all these other issues, and a lot of them went away. And because of the moving, and because of this younger person caring about him, someone who he didn't think much of because they would always go out and eat. You know, they, they, they would eat in restaurants. How could they do that? Just bring your own lunch. So that was, that was a, a real eye-opener for me and for him. I, I, it's a lovely story, and it makes me think, you know, you talked about Google as a workspace earlier mm. and you know we know about these these more modern companies with a totally different approach to planning office space you know the play areas and mm -hmm. and, and the hot desking and, and so <laughs> forth do you think that people from the older generations particularly the baby boomer the silent generations where it's a work ethic um, do you think they've responded positively to those environments? Are they excluded from those environments, those younger companies excluding older employees? Yep. Or are you aware of older employees who've really embraced it? Yeah, I, 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 I could say yes to both of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do have older employees like this, this gentleman I just mentioned. Um, he started going out for lunch and really enjoying it and thought, this is, this is the way to be. You know, what's wrong with me? And then I've had other people who've called me and said, you know, I just can't work here anymore. Um, it, they're playing loud music. <laughs> and you know, I said, we'll put, get some earplugs, you know, get some earmuffs, you know, just, or, or, or join in for a little while. You know, are they playing loud music all the time? Is it just when they're on break? And just, you know, maybe you can go over there and chat with some of them. And, and I still think, and, and I really believe this, going back to my story of Google, that if we understand other people and show them we understand and acknowledge and respect that we're not the same, they're different and that we can, we can understand, you know, what's important to them, even though it's not important to us and talk to them on a one-on-one, -on, -one, on a personal basis, that things could change. You know, maybe there are some people that will never change. You know, they could be very stuck in their way, but maybe some of those also are leaving the workforce soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or not, as the case may be, as you said earlier. So that it's important, and I think a couple of the stories you shared in, in the last few minutes have underlined this. It is important that we recognise, A, that we, we have to try and understand each other uh, across different generations. But if we do, there's a real opportunity to learn from each other and to to take the best of each generation's approach uh, and challenge our own orthodoxy. But is there still a tendency for people to look for others like them, to, to sit in a bubble? So for a, a, a millennial to go to lunch with the other millennials, for a, a, a boomer or a Gen Xer to go to lunch with other people of a similar age to them, are we seeing, with five generations in the workforce, are we seeing more cliques established or are we seeing a, a more, uh, more cross-pollination across the workforce? Mm. So my answer to that is yes. To the first question, we're seeing cliques of generations going out together, but we're also seeing generations not going out together, similar generations. We're seeing people 
who who are not connecting, even though it's people of the same generation. So it, it's it's an individual thing. I, I don't think we can, again, we can generalize and we can say that this is something that happens that this generation bands together, that, that the, the boomers all go to this office and drink their hot tea with lemon, you know, <laughs> um, while the millennials are out there drinking all their favorite drinks and all. Um, I, I think that it has to do again, and this is the most important, is communication, it's understanding, and it comes from the leader. It comes from the manager. It comes from the organization of how do you engage people to n- get to know each other? How do you inform people to get to know what the other generation is like? Do you have teams that are intergenerational? Do you have events that are intergenerational? Do you match up people of two different generations to work together on a specific project based on their skills and have them identify to each other what their skills are so that they can then acknowledge, hey, you know, this person who's a boomer really knows something that I can learn given that example I gave with my client. And the boom is saying, hey, you know, this is free information on how I can get better in my technology. Why not accept and take that and, and be happier on my job? So, so I think it's, it's, it's a process. It's not that easy. And I think this is the issue with the five generations, that people have to work hard, maybe harder than they did before, to understand, accept, and acknowledge and show respect and come to people, again, with my heart-centered, with a heart-centered approach, caring for other people and understanding what's important to them. Well, Renee, I think you've summarized uh, our conversation better than I ever could have done. Uh, <laughs> so I think on that note, I'm from this Gen Xer to that boomer, uh, thank you very much for joining me on the Connected Leadership podcast my pleasure thank you so much to Renee uh, for joining me uh, and you know I, I, th- I find the whole area of um, generational differences and communication between the generations really fascinating it's not the first time we've covered this on the Connected Leadership podcast we look specifically at Gen Z or Gen Z uh, with Mark Professor Mark Beale uh, in 2021 I think off the top of my head but if you if you want to find that just google Mark Beale with an E and Connected Leadership podcast you'll find that uh, and it's been mentioned in several other conversations but it's great to have that opportunity and we dive a little bit uh, more deeply into the, the, the topic uh, and, and I think the key point is every generation has got to try and understand each other it's not down to one generation to do all the work it's to everyone to find that uh, that balance um, of understanding but also being understood as well but that starts from just being aware and just being conscious that um, we are surrounded by people who have different belief systems different structures social structures around them uh, different value sets it is individual but you can see it around you you can see how it comes into play uh, amongst a group of people or a generation so really fascinating conversation thank you again to Renee for joining me thank you for listening if you have found this interesting please do share it tell your network let all the different generations know about the Connected Leadership Podcast and I will see you again next week thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast if you found this valuable please subscribe tell your colleagues and friends share on social media and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.